0: Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 119. Consider today's episode to be your introduction to SEO, an introduction from an expert who will break it down into easy to understand terms so you know exactly where to start. My guest for this episode is SEO and visibility strategist Mariah of Mariah Magazine. Mariah is an intuitive marketing expert that helps online business owners bridge the gap between strategy and energetics so they can accelerate their business growth without stressing out about social media. In our episode, we discussed what SEO is, what SEO can do for your small business, how SEO works, including a super powerful metaphor that will make it very clear, how we assess our current SEO performance, the power of long-tail keywords, how to find your keywords, the power of collaborative marketing, for visibility, and so much more. Last month in my membership program, Making Good Happen, we had a 90-minute expert session about SEO with Mariah, and it was full of mic drop moments. And if you remember, it's recorded in the member portal, so go check that out. Having seen that presentation, I am so thrilled that she's agreed to come on the podcast for this interview because I know how much wisdom and practical advice you're going to get from her. Just a heads up that there is some adult language in this episode, so you may want to wear some headphones around little ears. Here is our conversation. Mariah,
1: welcome to Making Good. Oh my god, I am so excited to be here.
0: Yay, yay, yay. Um, We can see each other right now, which is like a total uh, anomaly for me when I record. I normally do audio only, so... This is like a whole new world. Um, And I popped on and
1: I'm like, can I please see your face so that we can (laughs)
0: connect? (laughs) I know. I um, just tell me if I'm nodding or doing something that the listeners can't hear. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'll I'll Uh, definitely call you out. Okay. I love to be called out. Okay, so today we are talking about SEO mostly. And Mariah has already presented to my membership program, Making Good Happen, about SEO. And it was so fantastic. So I know already that she just is, she really knows her stuff when it comes to SEO and visibility. And I cannot wait for her to share her brilliance with all of you. Um, before we dig into all the questions that I have and wanna pick her brain about, I would love Mariah for you just to introduce yourself to. The listeners, those of you who may not have come across you, um, what does your business look like now? And maybe a little bit of what got you there.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I've just... My my spiel is like, what's up? I'm Mariah. (laughs) I'm an SEO strategist and a visibility strategist for online business over... Online business owners over at MariahMagazine.com. So basically, I'm just I'm a firm believer that showing up on Google and increasing your visibility and growing your business does not have to be as difficult and as overwhelming as everybody makes it. So that's why I'm just a really I I mostly focus on teaching practical strategies. So like that's why I really love SEO. I also love collaborative marketing. They really go hand in hand. And I mean, like, this is a prime example of collaborative marketing, Mm -hmm. but I've been in the online business game since 2015. So I've been helping clients get found, get noticed and get booked by their ideal clients without stressing out about social media or paid ads. Because my whole thing is like your audience is already searching for the solutions that that you help them with. And in a nutshell, by doing collaborations, by doing SEO, that's how we help them come to you. So I actually got started in the online business world um, doing website design and development. And then I remember I would like help my clients launch their websites. And they were like, Oh my God, I love this website. And I was like, Oh my God, it's so great. And then they were like, cool. Now what? Like, how do I get traffic to it? And I was like, I don't know, it's not my zone of genius. And then I was like, (laughs) wait a minute, I think I want it to be my zone of genius. So that's when I kind of started like tinkering with SEO. And I kind of started like testing things for clients. I started started testing things on my own website. And basically what I ended up doing is teaching myself SEO and I took it all apart. And then I put it back together in a way that actually makes sense for people. So that's why I mentioned like teaching practical strategies, because mm-hmm. like I just noticed in the SEO world with SEO agencies and things like that, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors and it's also layered. So like new people coming to SEO, like they don't need you to dive into the super advanced technical nuances quite yet. But what they do need is a really stable, and sustainable SEO foundational setup. So that's kind Mm -hmm. of where I come in and I help my clients with is like setting up that foundations. Because if you don't have that set up, everything else that you're doing is going to slip through the cracks and nothing's going to get you results. Because like, for example, you're not even in the right section of the index. And the index is basically just Google's big filing cabinet. So if you're not in the right section of the filing cabinet, you can do all the SEO shit that you want. And you're not going to see results. So that's why I come in and I'm just like, yo, where are we in the filing cabinet? Where do we want to be? How do we get there? And then we kind of just move forward from there.
0: Yeah. So good. And I think you started to get into this already. But one of the things I really loved about your expert presentation in our group was about the your analogy of the filing cabinet. Um, so for anyone who's listening to this, and maybe they... Maybe they listen to the episode every time it comes out and that's why they're listening, or maybe they're like, Oh, I've seen this word SEO or this abbreviation. I have no real idea what that means. It does have this kind of like jargony feeling to it. So, one thing I think you're really good at is making it real for people and like understandable for their own business. Could you just do like an overview explanation of what is SEO and also like maybe go into that analogy a little bit deeper? Because I think the metaphor, I think it's really a good one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So basically SEO stands for search engine optimization. And basically it means that your website is optimized to show in search results like Google. I say like Google because there's other search engines. YouTube is a search engine. Bing is a search engine. SEO, it's basically optimizing for that specific search engine. But we talk about Google because let's be honest, Google has the biggest market share. So SEO helps you get free and organic traffic from search results on search engines. So this is compared to paid ads that are typically shown at the top of Google search results. And those paid ads that you see are clicked less than 25% of the time on average. So that means that 75% of clicks are actually on organic search results. And I think this is because like <laughs> we've all been duped by clicking on those ads before that, like we've started realizing that a lot of the times the ads aren't the best solution to our problem because they paid to get there. So we end up scrolling over over those ads and going down to the organic search results which kind of happen based on what Google thinks is the best solution to your problem. So, that kind of brings it into like why SEO is important. It's important because everybody's using Google. Like your audience is already searching for the solutions that you offer. It's 2022. Like every time that we have a problem, literally how to boil an egg, where am I going to find that information? I'm going to go Google it. I literally Googled like, I don't... What is the internal temperature of pork the other day? Because it's like, I don't have the brain space to remember all of this. So everybody's using Google. And SEO is how we get Google to recommend you and your website as the perfect solution. And in terms of marketing, why I love it so much, it's because it's one of the only website traffic strategies that give you long term results. So with both social media and with paid ads, when you stop paying or you stop engaging, you lose traffic. SEO continues to build on itself if you do it correctly. So like just as as an example, I wrote a blog post. I think it's like 6 years ago now. It's still on the first page of Google for over 10 keywords because I became the best solution for the searcher's problem. So I'm getting website traffic like on the daily and it's increasing my email newsletter list. I just had to create the content from the get-go. So people are probably like, okay, like all of that high level, it sounds great. But I like breaking down how search works, which is where Lauren's reference of an analogy comes in. So basically, Google has little robots that go through and crawl the web. And these robots take note of websites and the content that's on them. So they scan the content to try to get an idea of what the main idea of that specific page or website is, so they can put it into Google's index, which is basically, like I mentioned before, just a really big filing cabinet. Because there's over, I think it's like 7 million blog posts, Published either a day or a week, something like that. So that's a lot of content. And Google has to have some way of organizing this content on the web. So it scans the content, tries to get an idea of like what you're talking about. And it puts you in the filing cabinet so that when people go in and they search Google, it's like Google goes into the filing cabinet and tries to pull out and show you the results that it thinks best matched what you searched for. And this, my friends, is why it's so important to know your audience, know their pain points, know their desires before diving too deep into SEO and their pain points, their desires, what they're searching for. That is what is known as SEO keywords. So that is my long winded spiel about the super basics.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Super good. And a couple of things you said that I just want to like underline, I guess for the listeners is one thing that I think is super powerful, about SEO as I kind of learn more about it is um, one of the things that sets it apart from other kind of parts of marketing is the fact that people are you're getting in front of people who are actually already looking for what you offer. So rather than like constantly, you know, sending an email out to your list, which everyone knows I love email. Email is like my thing. Um rather than pushing your agenda always by email or social media or whatever it is, with SEO, you're actually getting in front of people who are there because they are looking for the exact thing. That you are going to be found for. So you're already reaching people in a kind of state of mind that's so much more open and receptive than, um, you know, where we're normally starting from when it comes to marketing. Um, So that's one thing that I think is super powerful. And the other thing you said, the other thing I really like about the filing cabinet analogy is it just kind of underscores that no matter what your content is being organized and it's up to you whether it's organized in a way that you want it to be organized and it's useful to you or not. Um, so it's kind of, I I just like to make that point and like to hear you make that point because, um, it's not really something you can opt out of. It's something you can do well or not. Well,
1: right. Yeah. I mean, shit gets lost in the filing cabinet in real life all the time. And I mean, things get pushed to the back end of the filing cabinet all the time. And just so people have an example of like, what do you mean? Where am I in the filing cabinet? I like to give the example of before I started focusing on SEO, I was on page five for the phrase, what does the name Mariah mean? And that's because Mariah was all over my website. So Google was like, I don't know where to put this girl. Like, we'll just toss her over here. But it's like, very obviously, I'm not getting clients nor customers from anybody searching the phrase, what does the name Mariah mean? So it's like, I'm in the filing cabinet, but I'm, I'm at the back in the bottom. I might as well be lost at that point.
0: Mm -hmm. So I think this brings us to the point of how do we know what we're coming up for? Like, how did you figure out that you're coming up for what does the name Mariah mean?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah. How do we kind of do that assessment?
1: So, I mean, uh, a. A couple ways here. So the free way would be to set up Google Analytics on your website, set up Google Search Console. So I feel like a lot of online business owners and like creatives have heard of Google Analytics before, but not a lot of people have heard of Google Search Console. So Google Analytics is essentially the data about your website traffic. It's where people are coming from, what pages they're going on, all of that fun stuff. Google Search Console is how Google sees your website. So, this is how you would submit what's called a site map. Okay. It sounds complex and technical. And if your website is on any content management system like WordPress, Squarespace, Shopify, Show It. They create a sitemap for you. I can't tell you about Wix or Weebly. I steer clear of those platforms because they're, they're not great with SEO literally at all. But those platforms that I previously mentioned, those create the sitemap for you usually. And so it's basically like an outline or a roadmap for Google of like what content is on your website. So when you set up Google Search Console, you submit the sitemap. And basically what that does is it's like tapping Google on the shoulder and being like, yo, go crawl this website. Here's the outline of the content to put me in the filing cabinet. If you don't submit your sitemap, you will likely still get put in the filing cabinet, but it will probably take like six months to a year or whatever, whatever the case is. Google doesn't tell us any specifics. It's all... It's all a mystery, honestly. But once you submit that sitemap, then Google will start to show you in Google Search Console what it's called queries, but it's essentially what keywords you're showing up for. So if you log into Google Search Console, you can click performance and you'll be able to see what queries you're showing up for. That is one way. That sounds too technical for you. I completely get it because you do have to set up Google Analytics, you do have to set up Google Search Console, which I have a free roadmap to success to successful SEO that you guys can download over at mariamagazine.com/roadmap. In this roadmap, I basically link to the five tasks that you can start doing today. And I'm pretty sure that the first test that I highlighted is like, yo, you need to set up your Google Analytics and your Google Search Console. So if you want support in doing that, download the roadmap. Your other option is likely going to be to work with an SEO strategist Because we can explain the what and the whys behind things. So like I have a service, the SEO strategy intensive. And this is what I work with my clients on because a lot of them are like, yo, I don't think that I want done for you SEO, but I also don't want to DIY it. I kind of just want to like pick your brain and see like where I am and get a list of keywords and like get a game plan that I can implement. So that's why I created that service. So essentially what we do is like we run some reports and we're able to see what keywords they're showing up for. And the cool thing when you pay for an SEO tool like SEM rush, which is what I use, you can stalk your competitors. And so we can also see what keywords they are showing up for. And then we can create an SEO game plan. That actually makes sense because a lot of people get lost when it comes to SEO keywords. They assume that like, oh, I'm a copywriter. I want to show up for the keyword copywriter. And like, no, this isn't 2010. Like we can't show up for super basic keywords anymore. They're too competitive. Also the user intent. We don't know what that user What their specific solution is. So how are we going to make sure that we're the right solution to the problem when what they're searching isn't specific enough to know that? So that's why in the SEO world, you'll hear like long tail keywords. The conversions are in long tail keywords. Long tail keywords are essentially a combination of more than, or it's like three or more words. So it could be copywriter for about page is an example. So a person that goes and types in copywriter for about page, they are looking for an exact solution that you offer. So they're going to be more likely to convert versus somebody that's searching copywriter. Because copywriter, are they looking to become a copywriter? Are they looking to hire a copywriter? Like That is just the the very tip of the iceberg. So that's why working with an SEO strategist is so helpful because it's like, we can help break this shit down. So you're not throwing noodles at the wall and like trying to show up for shit that either isn't going to convert or like, there's no way in hell that you're going to show up for.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super, super interesting. So we've talked about kind of how we see what we're currently showing up for. hmm and you started to go into how to figure out your keywords, but do you have any other tips on, you know, if I'm let's let's create an example. So if I am a soap business and I make, I'm thinking of one person in particular who is like very ethically sourced materials, organic, beautiful, um, beautiful presentation, very like hyper local materials. How would we go about trying to figure out what our keywords would be?
1: So if you're trying to do keyword research and not based off of the keywords that you're already showing up for, so like, you're just like, yo, what are people typing in? Honestly, my suggestion is to go to Google and Google it. Start typing in shit that you assume that your people would type into Google and see what results come up. That's where you want to start because it's kind of like, does the user intent, like does what I think... Will show up. Is that really what's going to show up? So an example that I like to give is I was working with a client before and she was like a, uh, a speaking coach and she was like, I want to show up on page one for a powerful speaker. And I was like, cool, let's Google it. We Googled it and car audio speakers came up. So it's like, thank God we Googled it because if we tried to show up for that, it's not going to convert because the user intent is not aligned and she might be on like page two eventually, but it's like, it's not aligned with things. And I'm not saying that that means that like nobody's typing in powerful speaker, but if they are typing in powerful speaker and they're looking for a speaking coach, they're likely going to change their query, their keyword, their long tail key phrase, whatever they're typing into Google to then be more specific because they're getting the exact same results that we're getting when we're Googling roughly. And I say roughly because, like, local definitely plays a role into this. Google is a stalker; it knows your IP address, it knows where you're searching from. So our search results do change based on where we are with like local goods and services and things like that. Um, but that would be my first suggestion: is to is to Google it and make sure that that user intent actually makes
0: sense. Is there a sweet spot of like what to aim for when it comes to like the number of results that come back?
1: It's not so much the number of results that come back that you can tell from Google. We can only usually get that information from like an SEO tool. So I have people use, have used Uber Suggest. And so if you, it's a free tool, you can Google Uber Suggest. It's an SEO tool from Neil Patel and it allows you to do super basic. Keyword research and you'll be able to see like what's the competition. So the higher the competition number, the harder it's going to be for a website to rank. And then you'll be able to see like the monthly search volume. So in an ideal situation, we want the highest monthly search volume with the lowest competition rate, but using a free tool like Uber suggests it's only like super basic keywords. Like you can't really get down to the nitty gritty. And that's because it's a free tool. It doesn't have a huge database. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like you get what you pay for in terms of that. But I will say that like, okay, so like that soap example, we probably don't want to try to target like handmade soap that's going to be super competitive, just naturally. Like, You can probably spend an hour going on different pages of search results and there's how many people showing up for handmade soap. So yeah. the more specific your keyword is, the less competitive it's going to be. And I mean, also the, the less search volume, but a lot of clients are like, okay, well, if this keyword is only searched 10 times a month, is that worth targeting? And I'm like, well, 10 times a month is 120 a year. So Mm -hmm. like you tell me, how would your business change if you had even half, like 60 people a year, either buying your products, buying your services, finding you, following you on Instagram, blah, 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 blah. So I say yes. And also keep in mind, like if I were to target the keyword ethically sourced handmade soap, I could also show up for secondary keywords based on that. So I don't know what another way to say like ethically sources, but like ethically created handmade soaps, like Google understands synonyms. So like if you see a search volume of 10 for like that specific keyword, think about, okay, what are the other synonyms that people are going to type in? What are the other ways to word this? Because just because you target one keyword on a page or post, it doesn't mean that that's going to be the only... Keyword that you're going to show up for. Like I said in my example, I have a blog post that's on page one for over ten plus keywords because those keywords are different ways of saying whatever I was targeting.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Super smart. So let's talk about going through um, kind of our existing website and optimizing that. If we haven't thought about SEO at all before now. And now people are like, okay, like this is worth paying attention to. This is worth like getting a little more intentional about. Um, What kind of process would you suggest that people go through to make it better? Like practically speaking, what are people actually doing?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So the thing with Google is that it judges your website on over 200 factors, So there's no way that I'm going to be able to like spitball just all of them. Mm -hmm. But that's why Google Analytics and data is so helpful. Because it's like, we can see where people are coming from. We can see how long they're spending on our website. We can figure out things like that. Because to be completely honest, the better your website is for user experience, the better it's going to be for SEO. Because Google is a business, Google does not want to recommend a website that has shitty user experience. So as an example, if your website is super slow loading on desktop, on mobile, your, Google is not going to be a fan of that. If you have broken links... That basically tells Google like, man, this person doesn't really care. Also as a user, like think, think about the shit that pisses you off when you're on a website. You click on some stuff, you get a broken link, you're taken to a 404 error page and you're like, well, what the hell? I thought I was going to get blah, blah, blah. So another thing is pop-ups. Google did do a thing where it was like, yo, be careful with pop-ups. It could hurt your SEO. The thing that hurts it the most is if like that X on the pop-up It's not super clear and obvious where people can close out of it. Also, just from a user experience, I would suggest if you have a pop-up, try to delay it. Do not have your pop-up trigger as soon as somebody lands on your homepage. Because it's like, yo, I don't even know what you got going on yet. I don't know if I want 20% off. So it's just, it's a better idea to to hit them with a pop-up either on like the shop page or a specific product page, or like an exit intent pop-up. Those are the like, wait, before you go, Here's 20% off. So there's different ways to do that. Um, Another thing is like how easily navigatable is your website? So like, can I access your shop from the main navigation menu? Can I access your products? Do you have breadcrumb set up to make your shop super easy to navigate as a user? Um, I'm trying to think. And then it's also, it's the content on your website. That's how Google figures out where to put you in the filing cabinet. So look at the content on your website. Is it super clear? Is it, or is it like clever or vague? Because like a lot of people are putting like clever words all over it and like being super creative and like, I love creativity, not for SEO, because people aren't typing in these super clever phrases. You want to be super clear and super obvious. I should be able to tell who you are, what you do, and how you're going to help me within five seconds of being on your homepage. And it should be, it's called above the fold. I should be able to know that before I even scroll. But a lot Mm -hmm. of people in the design industry like to do those big sliders. And then it's like slider of images. And then above the fold, I have no information. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it's these different user experience things that I think are really important to take a look at. And they're so overlooked in the SEO world because we have, God knows how many people are claiming to be an SEO expert. And it's like, they're calling themselves an SEO expert because they do keyword research. That is like one slice of the pie, my friend, you could do all the keyword research you want, but if your website is shut, is set up really shitty, like you ain't showing up for anything. So there's there's different aspects to it. I think if you're going to get serious about SEO, you should take a look at your website. Make sure that you're using words that like are super clear about what you offer. A really easy way to do this that I do for clients is like you can replace like it the like those like what is it like unique identifiers. Articles. Yes, yes, something something like that. So where it's like You kind of just repeat what you are or what you do a little bit more often than you would if you were like writing a book, for example, because the online world and how people read is completely different from how people read a book. And I think that that is a big disconnect with websites too.
0: Hmm. So much good stuff. How important is it to be creating new content often? You mentioned you have this article that you wrote or a blog post you wrote. However many years ago, that's still performing really well. Um, I think with a lot of types of marketing, there's this idea that we have to keep doing it every day or every week for it to pay off for us. Is there like an SEO benefit for like doing a blog post every week or, um, you know, keeping things really up? I guess constant, continuous.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. So this is this is one of my favorite myths. I love this myth. People will tell you like in order to get really good at SEO, you need to create more content. You need to be telling Google that like your website is fresh and you have new content every week. My advice, please don't do that. A you're going to burn yourself out. You're going to run out of shit to talk about and Google doesn't need more content. It needs better content. So I suggest with my clients, yo create a blog post either once a month or once a quarter. Like you don't have to go through and keep creating content. And honestly, for the past like two years, I was kind of just in a sustain mode for business instead of like a really big growth phase. So for the past, well, two years, a year and a half, I'm kind of transitioning into a growth phase now. But during that sustain phase, basically what I did, all the old blog posts that I created, I just went back and updated them. So like I re-googled the keywords that I was targeting, seeing what's showing up, comparing that to my blog posts. How can I make mine better? And then I changed the publish date. Now I will say, don't change the publish date. If like your URL is all funky chicken and it's got like the post date in there because that's going to break a URL. It's going to create broken links but I would also suggest moving away from that link structure to begin with, but I'm, I don't want to overwhelm you guys. (laughs) So so my suggestion is like, you don't have to create more content. You have to create better strategic content. Mm. And don't forget that like for shop owners, for e-commerce, your products are pages, your collections are pages. People don't realize that they can optimize their collections. Collections are usually more likely to show up in Google than an actual product for like more unspecific keywords. So everybody's game plan is going to be different, especially on their niche, on their industry, also their goals. Like, are they only selling products or are they creating a course to help people create their own products? You know what I mean? So it's like, it really does depend on the actual business.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really like the point. I wrote it down. Google doesn't need more content. It needs better content. Yeah, I I think like you say, if you could get one really amazing piece of content ranked really highly for something, that's going to do so much more for you than being on page 10 for 100 blog posts. So bingo. um, Yeah, that's a really great takeaway. Anything else you want to say about SEO? I know we've just scratched the surface. It's a really big topic. But um, are there any other... like? Immediate do this now takeaways you would want to give people on the topic of SEO?
1: Yeah, I think it's more of a reframe. I think, yeah, a reframe is important here because, like, I could talk about SEO for literally forever because Google judges your website in over 200 factors. Okay. That fact alone scares the bejesus out of people. And I get it. So what I do want to say is that you do not need to do everything perfectly in order to get results from Google or to show up on page one. You know what you have to do? Be better than your competitors. That's literally what you have to do. So that's why in the expert session in your group, I remember somebody was like, yo, what about alt text? And I was like, I'm about to go off on this alt text. Because a lot of people are like, oh man, I'm not going to show up on page one if I haven't customized my alt text for every single image on my website. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Before we drill down that much, we need to take a look at like your website speed, your broken links, your keyword strategy, your content. like Having a an SEO optimized alt text, yes, it can play a role, but like, is it going to be the determining factor of you being on page two and page one? Probably not. Unless you're like a big corporate company or like the, the keyword is like super competitive. So I just want to tell people that like, you don't have to get everything perfect to a T and it's also like Google is not oversaturated like I hear all the time, like SEO is dead. And I'm like, what? And people are like, blogs are dead. And I'm like, blogs could not be more alive, to be honest. (laughs) Like if we go to Google, almost all of the results outside of like the, the Google map results for, for local businesses, 95% of the results are a blog post. Because that's how we create content. But what needs to happen is a perspective shift. People assume that a blog is like talking about my life. And like, I just went for a walk and had a nice coffee. And like, I love Starbucks Frappuccinos and blah, 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 blah. Like, that's (laughs) not a blog. Like, it could be. But like, that's an old style blog.
0: A new style blog.
1: Yeah, like that's like an online digital journal, which is fine. And that was really popular back in the day when blogging first started. But instead of thinking it like a blog, it's content marketing for businesses. It's creating pages that educate and help our people make a purchasing decision or educate them around a topic that we that we help people with. So a lot of people are like, okay, well, Google's too competitive. No, it's not. The big agencies and the big corporations are like have a lot of market share and a lot of pull over like the less specific keywords. So like I mentioned before, like copywriter, they don't even really pay attention to the longer tail keywords and every single dime. Every single time that I do SEO keyword research with a client, we are literally amazed at how many gaps in the market there are. Like people will be like, yo, I follow this girl on Instagram. She's got like 30K followers. Like her website's gotta be killing it with SEO. I do a competitor analysis. I was like, nah, she ain't showing up for shit. Like there are so many gaps in the market on Google for small businesses, for creatives. You just have to, you just have to find them, but they are there. And Google works. It works as a visibility strategy. It works to get your business, to get your solution in front of the people that are already looking for the solutions. Mm -hmm. So that's why, that's why I'm just so passionate about it because I'm like, yo, small business owners, creatives, like there is room for us on Google. And like, a lot of room. Like there's mm-hmm. always gaps in the market and there always will be because these big agencies and bigger businesses aren't going after the smaller ones. They overlook things or there's a different way to word something or like whatever the case is. So yeah. I'll get off my soapbox, but that's it's essentially, a soapbox.
0: <laughs> that's, <laughs>
1: that's, that's, that's essentially my perspective on it.
0: No, I love that yeah and I would love to just before we dig into the questions that I ask everyone, I think it's really interesting the way that your expertise is in visibility obviously s e o is a huge part of that um but you also mentioned a couple of times the idea of collaborative marketing, mm-hmm. and I would love to just that's an interesting term um i am really excited to like hear what you mean by that and maybe what some examples of that might be for. I don't know. Maybe you could give an example or two for each of the main type of listeners of this podcast. One is service-based businesses like yours. And then one would be like the e-com product-based businesses.
1: Yeah. So I mean, collaborative marketing is essentially teaming up with another person or more than one person. It's a collaboration and how i started focusing in this was basically because i'm like why do we always think that we have to grow our business by ourselves that we have to put our head down and hustle out by ourselves we don't and then i like looked at how i've grown my business which yes seo obviously it was a huge factor in that but another piece of it Was doing shit like this, being a guest on people's podcasts, being a guest expert in people's groups, doing trainings, doing like newsletter swaps, like for email lists, affiliate marketing, doing JV webinars, co-hosting a workshop. And then there's like long-term collaboration things where it's more of like referral circles. Mm -hmm. It's, um like I co-host a podcast with my friend Shay and like that's a long-term collaboration. And so there's so many different ways to do this to be able to team up with our community, with our peers, with the people in complementing industries. So like people that even sell products. Like I was um I was doing business coaching with a client and they were local and they were a clothing brand and they were like, we really want to start collaborating, but we don't know how to do it. We don't know where to start. We ended up pitching other clothing, like apparel businesses. Like they did like tie dye sweatshirts. So they reached out to somebody that like sold vintage clothes, ended up doing a collaboration giveaway to like help build their Instagram following, get their name out in front of that person's audience. And that's why collaborations are so great because it's like your listeners right now are going to be more likely to trust me and to like me because this is essentially a word of mouth referral. You wouldn't have me on the podcast unless you thought that I brought value. So Mm -hmm. your perspective and the fact that like you're basically recommending me already makes the next step easier versus somebody randomly finding me on Instagram. It's like, we got to start from square one of like, no, like, and trust. But collaborations allow us to get ourselves in front of somebody else's audience in a way that like supports us, the, the person, the, the host or like the other person that you're collaborating with and the audience, Because the audience gets a solution that they didn't realize that they needed and they get a recommended referral of where to go from there. So it's super powerful. I don't see anybody talking about it in the online space. Like everybody's like, yo, you got to do all these Instagram reels. You got to do all this. Like you have to do everything. And it's like, what if you could build a business by being a guest expert? What if you could build a business by like being on people's podcasts? And Mm -hmm. like... That's why I combine collaborative marketing with SEO in my own business. Because I also think that like human, as humans, we are created to connect. If we think back to like the tribal days, we literally needed connection. Otherwise we would die. We are hardwired to connect. So why in the online business world do we then just assume that like we have to do it all alone when really is like when there really is so many benefits, to teaming up with people, to sharing our expertise, to sharing our genius—like it's just so underutilized.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. I feel like you do hear people talk about like affiliate marketing or JV marketing, but the concept overall of like, yeah, collaborative marketing of of partnering up with people whose audiences you mutually probably want to get in front of. I don't hear a lot of people talking about that. And it is, it just feels like a, like a totally ethical shortcut somehow.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like when people, okay, so like partnership marketing and like relationship building, it's always been talked about in the, like it's been talked about in business, literally forever, networking, all of that shit. But I honestly think that we're going into a new phase of the world and therefore business to where it's like, we're done being sold to we're done feeling manipulated. We want community. We want connection. And so it's like that old way of like networking to like get what you want to like get a sale and people are just a number. That's not going to work anymore. We're getting too conscious. We're becoming too aware. So We, if we're if we're gonna step forward into collaborative marketing, the question is, how can we show up and serve? Because that's just the energetic law of reciprocity. Like when you show up and give, people will naturally want to give back to you because they've already received. So that's a big part that people don't talk about is like, well, I want to be a guest on a podcast because it's gonna get me like a million clients. And like, yeah. It can like being on one podcast episode has made me five grand. Like it absolutely pays off, but like you're doing yourself a disservice and you're closing yourself off to opportunities. If you're only looking at the end goal that serves your bottom line, you gotta think bigger than that because people, we can feel it out. Like energy doesn't lie. It really doesn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love this. And it kind of brings us into the first question that I ask all of our guests, which is how do you approach doing good through your small business? I feel like one thing that you were just saying brought to mind for me is the fact that there are so many ways to make a positive impact through your business. And if all you're ever doing is focusing on like just the bottom line, you kind of like cheat yourself out of that. There are Mm -hmm. so many opportunities like in every decision you make in your business. So, um, I feel like that collaboration and community approach to business is an example of a way of doing good through small business, but what would your answer to that question be? How do you approach doing good through your small business? Yeah,
1: I think definitely coming from a place of being of service, coming from a place of like wanting to connect to build that community. but honestly, like, I love creating content and to like to be completely transparent this I wasn't aware of how much I loved creating content until two weeks ago. And now I'm like changing my business model to focus more on YouTube so that I can create educational content so that I can help people figure out their tech problems, so I can help people figure out like little SEO nuances or like help their online business get off the ground and like really giving back and educating people because like we're tired of the old way that society was running. And so I think this is just the beginning of people bringing their businesses online. But it's like, it's so overwhelming. And the advice sometimes isn't practical. So like, doing good to me is like breaking shit down in a way that people can understand, making it practical, and like being able to create free content for people that can help move them to that next step. And then my more advanced people of just like, you've been in business for a bit and like you've made some money and now you're ready to like add momentum, add fuel to the fire. Like those are my clients that I love working with in like a one-on-one capacity. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just educating and creating content and just making it more available to people is like what I'm realizing that like I really give a shit about and that feels yeah. fun.
0: Yeah. No, that's really good. Making, making great content accessible to people who don't have necessarily the funds for like, you know, an agency or a one-on-one. That's a great answer. What is one small business that you admire? Hmm. A small business
1: that I admire. Honestly, like the, the first thing that comes to mind is my co-host Shay like her business and what she does and how she moves forward and helps people with sales and like coaching around selling in a way that's Mm -hmm. in integrity in a way that like is natural and is based on connection and doesn't include any like manipulative, like sleazy ass tactics and the Mm -hmm. way that she talks about it. And like, how aligned she is and how many boundaries she has to protect her values and her integrity. Mm -hmm. I think it's amazing. And like the way that she supports her community and the way that she nurtures her relationships, it is Mm -hmm. definitely like her zone of genius there. And I just love like how seen and how human She is in her business while also bringing in the strategy, but doing it from really like a heart-centered, human-centered way.
0: Love. What is her tell us more about her. where can people find her if they if they're already sold on Shay. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So her Instagram is sales with shay and her website I think is saleswithshay.com and it's so funny because like we are complete opposites. Like I have so much stockable content online. I have so much education. I have YouTube videos and blah 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 blah. She doesn't because her business is primarily built on these relationships and like getting herself into like the best opportunity so like just know if you go to her instagram and you're just like yo she ain't she ain't really posting nothing Know that like does <laughs> yeah like her genius is still there and it's still magnetizing people in so like yeah. if you're interested in like learning how to sell in an authentic and like in a way that's an integrity just dm
0: her and tell her i sent you because she's she's just a g dude i just love yeah. her amazing very good answer. Um, what is one book you would recommend? Hmm. To be completely honest, I feel like I haven't finished a book
1: in a while. I'm like a like I, I quick start books and I think I'm going to finish them. But I feel like one that I could probably read over and over again, and I've already read twice. I'm pretty sure I'm coming up on the third. Is Untethered Soul. Hmm. It's just a really good perspective shift, and like. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I love, love, I love the self-reflection and the personal development and the spirituality and like the bigger, higher picture of it all. Mm -hmm. I really, I really jive with that.
0: Yeah. That's a great one. Um, okay. This has been so much fun. I, every time I talk to you about SEO, I'm like, Oh, so fired up about it. Your passion for it is very contagious. Let's talk a little bit about where people can find and connect with you. I would love for you to tell them again, where to find that free roadmap. Um, talk about your YouTube, talk about your DIY course, all the things. Oh yeah.
1: A, that feedback about that. You can feel my passion and it fires you up. I, that I I received that. I appreciate that. Um, okay. So if you're picking up what I'm putting down here, basically the easiest way to connect with me, honestly, is Instagram, instagram.com slash Mariah Magazine CO. But if you're like, hmm, I want to see these YouTube videos that she was talking about, you can head over there by going to MariahMagazine.video. I think I have at the time of this recording, 72 videos up there. And I'm actually like adding more fuel to the fire. I took two years off from creating YouTube videos. And now it's going to be my main source of content creation. So yeah, if you're looking for like some DIY support on website tech, on like Google analytics, Google search council, or just like random Squarespace, WordPress, Shopify tutorials, definitely head over there and subscribe and just know that like a lot of juicy shit is on its way out <laughs> over there to YouTube. Um, and then my website is mariamagazine.com. I have a bunch of blog posts that you can stalk over there. mariamagazine.com/roadmap. slash roadmap. That is where you can get access to the roadmap to successful SEO. So I basically dive in to the details of like what SEO is, why it's important, how search engines work, all of like the information that I kind of ga- gave in this podcast episode, but that more in like written form. And then I dive into the six step process about how to create successful SEO. And then what happens if you skip a step of the system? And then I dive into five tasks that you can start doing today to help you improve your SEO and get your website on Google's good side. And then, of course, I do have a full fledged course on DIY SEO. I dive into and like break down everything in the most simple way that I can without being too simplistic. So like some people might've, I don't know, read some blog posts on SEO and they're like, well, I know everything. And it's like, no, hold, hold, hold on a second there. So (laughs) in the, in the DIY SEO course, I really not only explain like the what and the how, I also explain the why. Because I think mm-hmm. if you're actually going to get results, you need to understand why you're doing the things that you're doing. And that right there is the biggest game changer in terms of making changes on your website and like actually getting results is like understanding why you're doing something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you're interested in that, the price is three ninety seven. there's a payment plan option, all of that fun stuff. But yeah, that's
0: basically... all all of my goods here on the internet. Yay. So many goods. Um, Okay. We will have all of that linked in the show notes. I have like taken notes of a couple quotes that you said that were just so good. Um, So I'm really excited to just kind of reflect on this conversation and keep digging into SEO myself. Um, Mariah, thank you so much for all of this. And I hope that, yeah, if you... Listen, if you're inspired, definitely connect with us both on Instagram and let us know. Um, yeah, Mariah, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on to Making Good. Yeah, thank you so much
1: for having me. I'm so glad that I could come on and like spew spew my stuff. And
0: I hope that the listeners found it helpful. I'm sure they did. Thank you so much. Holy moly. I find Mariah's enthusiasm for SEO and visibility and collaboration So contagious. And I'm betting that you did too. Make sure to check out her free roadmap for more details on SEO and connect with her in all the places we mentioned. They will all be in the show notes. And you can get those show notes at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 119. That's 119. I know Mariah and I would both love to hear from you on Instagram. You can find Mariah at Mariah Magazine Co on Instagram. And I'm at Lauren Tilden. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful to have your support. Here are three ways that you can support making good. First, I would be honored if you would leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player. Second, if you have a friend you think would enjoy the podcast, send them the link. And third, I would love it for you to take a screenshot of your podcast player while you're listening and tag me on social media at Lauren Tilden. And in fact, tag Mariah too at Mariah Magazine Co. We would love to cheer you on. Thank you so much for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.